Good evening and morning, EPL State of Mind listeners. James, Kyle, and Sean back in action this week, and we were all just as happy as can be. One is happier than next, and we're going to take you through exactly what happened this weekend to make all three of our own handsome selves so happy. So I hope you guys are ready to get into the EPL State of Mind, and we're going to pop into the hot news segment right away here. So this one that we kind of spoke about in a different manner a couple episodes ago during the winter transfer window and all the excitement that that was bringing us. Moises Casado has signed a new contract extension at Brighton that keeps him at the Amex until 2027. Last time we were talking about Casado was how crucial of a midfielder he was and how great of a scouting job that Brighton has done to bring this midfielder in. And the last time we were talking to him was during the transfer window because Arsenal and Chelsea both were extremely interested in, in kind of taking him away from where he has really developed into quite the player he is. Uh, the biggest thing on Casado is obviously he had a bit of an Instagram slash social media stunt that he had a, a you know appreciated and put essentially appreciation post out to Brighton and the entire community for giving him such an opportunity and then also uh, allowing him to bring the Brighton's record-breaking transfer fee to the club. We all know how that ended, and uh, we're, we're seeing here that he's going to continue at the Amex until 2027. The biggest change here is a significant wage bump. Uh, previously, he was £15,000 a week. And just for a, uh, a reference, the Premier League average salary is £60,000 a week. The Ecuadorian drew heavy interest from Arsenal and Chelsea in the winter transfer window. And Brighton, as we know, turned down offers of £65 million and £70 million at deadline day. So one of the biggest things for Casado and his endeavors at Brighton is it's very, very kind of, you know, temperamental and European football and the ability to play it is, is a crucial tie up for him. If they don't get European football, he can leave. Uh, but Brighton right now are in not a bad spot right now in eighth place where one through six actually have European football, whether that be in the Champion League or through uh, the Conference League. So right now they're sitting in eighth. They are three points behind Newcastle, who's sitting in your Europa spot. So we'll see what we can do there. Uh, Brighton, you know, it put themselves in a really good position to keep that player happy currently at where he is, provided European football is in play. But they also gave the opportunity for more leverage in negotiation with a bigger club now that his extension of his contract until 2027. We saw something similar happen to Jordan Pickford with Everton, not necessarily with European football, but with relegation. So both clubs doing a similar approach where they're tying these guys down for a longer time, which is going to bump up the value in a contract. Uh, we were speaking about average salaries per week. So another one that we've been really harping on this year at Brighton was Matoma. And as a reference, he's only on 10,000 pounds a week. Um, another one of their main key players has been Alexis McAllister, as we all have seen him play in the in the World Cup, and he really kind of sprung into a great step this year. He's got two years left in his contract. Uh, he is, uh, you know, currently, uh, I believe, the fourth highest paid player on a weekly salary of fifty thousand pounds. So that's just some apples to apples comparison on the same team. I know we're all a big fan of Brighton. Uh, we're excited to see where they go. And that's kind of the hot news for them this year. And I'm sure we're going to hear more and more about them throughout the season. Uh, we do only have about 13 to 14 games left, so we'll see where they end up. But as our second hot news take here, it is not only going to be a massive segment later on in the, in the show, but at the start, talking about people staying, people going, 
Roberto Firmino will be departing from Liverpool at the end of the season, and who better to talk about one of Liverpool's finest and greatest talents that they brought in and throughout the club than Sean Larkin? Uh, I mean, thank you for teeing it up. That was beautiful. Um, listen, I, I but Roberto Firmino is probably one of my favorite Liverpool players of all time. His reading of the game, his IQ, his unselfishness, the flair on the ball, um, one of the most fun players to watch in the last, you know, probably five or six years in the Prem. This year alone, he's got eight goals and four assists in just 17 games um, and only 11 starts. So, obviously, he's he's been super productive this year. He, he put the uh, the cherry on top of the Sunday with the seventh goal um, as we're recording at, at seven past De Gea uh, tonight. So... <laughs> No, but just seriously, one one of my favorite players of all time to play at Liverpool. Nine seasons in the Premier League, 79 goals, 50 assists. Um, he came in to Liverpool as an attacking midfielder under Brendan Rodgers, and then after Klopp took over, he kind of pushed him into that false nine role, and he sort of made that his own. I mean, as far as Premier League false nines go, he's probably the best that there is. I mean, obviously it's a very unique position, but um, really, really interested to see where he ends up. There are some rumors that he goes to Newcastle, which would be kind of an interesting fit. Uh, but obviously, like I said, you know, when you go back to those numbers, he can still play at a really high level, uh, clearly. And has- what do you what do you see him as? And I think Newcastle would be a great fit for him because obviously we've spoken before that Newcastle struggles with scoring. I mean, Almiron had has and has and is having a fantastic year, but the scoring as, as of late for Newcastle has gone straight down the tubes. And Firmino, as much as I do enjoy him play on the field against other teams than Arsenal, he is pretty much the bane of my existence with Diego Jota. They're always there to ruin my day when playing <laughs> at uh, either at the uh, at Anfield or at the Emirates. They seem to have it put together. But if he's going to Newcastle and we're talking about a lot of transfer fees, you know, and, and, and how inflated everything is, he does have the, the English Premier League tax on him. He's, he's tested, he's tried, he's true. What would you see right now his transfer market going for? So he's actually, his contract's expiring, so he'd be going for free. Oh, that's right. All right, yeah. so I'll put it this way. I knew he was going for free. If he wasn't going for free, let's put one year left in his contract. Obviously, with your trio up top as Nunez, Gapco, and Osala and even uh, Diaz when he gets back fit as you said before he was kind of working his way down the ladder what would you see his transfer fee going what what profit are Liverpool missing out on here yeah it's probably somewhat manageable I mean he's a guy who's 31 years old by the you know early into next season he'll be 32 so maybe 20 25 million fee something like that but um, you know I think there was some aspect of looking around and, and smelling the roses and realizing, hey, you know, they brought Nunez in, they brought Gakpo in, you have Jota, Diaz will be, you know, fit again next year, and obviously Salah is, an, is a non-droppable player. Um, so he saw the writing on the wall and, and is looking for kind of to move on, and, and I think that, you know, him moving on maybe will help, you know, some of the other guys on the fringe of the squad decide to, uh, to, to pursue greener pastures, at least in terms of opportunity. Um, just one last note I wanted to make, though. The attacking trio of him, Mane, and Salah played 105 games together, and they scored over 140 goals, 144 as the final. So they were lethal, one of the most fun you know, front threes to watch in the world for you know, probably a three- or four-year span. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, game respects game, and I think everyone Robert, uh, respects Roberto Firmino. So very excited to see where he goes to be a main man somewhere. Sean, how does this affect Liverpool? Because I know when Mane left, they took quite a hit, and it didn't look like they were going to take that big a hit, but they did. So does this have any major impacts to their front line? It does reduce signings? depth a little bit. Depth has always been an issue, and especially with injuries being riddling your guys this year. It's, it's a good good question, Kyle. Yeah, I think uh, there's some aspect of it that, you know, your depth reduced and they'll probably look to bring in, a, you know, a younger player who can play across the front line. But um, I think the Gakpo signing, it wasn't necessarily a, a dire need in January. And I think um, I was actually reading an article yesterday. Um, it was it was an interview with Virgil van Dyke, but he was saying that um, Gakpo and Firmino spend extra time after practice or after training every day. And for me, it's kind of teaching him that false nine role. So ideally, you know, Gakpo slides into there. But obviously there'll be, you know, there's a loss whenever you lose a quality player, you know, who can come in and play at a couple of different positions. But I, I don't think this will be as, you know, major of an impact as the Mane thing. And I also think the Mane, um, you know, downfall of Liverpool associated with Mane was a little bit overblown because if Diaz was fit, I don't think we'd be talking about this as quite as much. I think we, you know, you still have the problems in the field and defense, but, you know, Diaz was brought in basically to replace Mane and um, has barely really played this year after the first five or six games. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just, you know, sad seeing someone like Firmino go, one of the fan favorites who always plays to the fans' expectations, I can say. You know, like when Absolutely. he's hated in the media, he's poor. When he's praised in the media, he's on fire. And it looks I think like you said Liverpool. That already, yeah. yeah, I mean, looks like Liverpool are on the up and up so this would be a great time to just have him unleashed i agree i agree well speaking about really really impressive game and and leaving unfortunately there is a bit of world news that uh just fontaine a famous striker of france passed away at 89 years old uh he was moroccan born which was part of uh, a french territory at the time uh, the striker scored and still has a still scoring record of 13 goals at the 1958 World Cup. Uh, 13 goals in just six appearances. France finished third and placed at the 58 World Cup. Uh, Brazil did end up to go on and win that final 3-1 with the help of 17-year-old nobody named Pele. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> um, and then only close, the, uh, the German uh, he has been he's been closest with uh, Mueller have an all-time World Cup goals than his and, and 13 and Messi now also has 13 as well did he score but, uh, all 13 of those goals in the 1958 World Cup yeah yeah holy shit that's insane yeah six games scored 13 goals it's pretty remarkable um, wow. I was actually reading about that today just to do some research so in the 58 semifinal the France was up 2-1 and then their center back broke his leg, and in the fifties you didn't have subs. I don't, I don't remember when that became a thing. So they had to play with ten men the rest of the game, and that's what cost them. Oh my god! Oh jeez! <laughs> I had no idea about that. That's that's crazy. Not even like an injury sub. That's insane. No, yeah, yeah. So they had to play that's with ten insane. men from like the fifty-fifth minute on and uh, lost. But then he scored, I think, a hat trick or four in the uh, the third place game. So jeez. yeah, R.I.P. to a legend, obviously. Um, one of the one of the greatest you know World Cup performances of all time. I think we will all be looking up him on our FIFA games later on today throughout <laughs> the week for sure. Oh yeah. Getting back into some exciting English Premier League and the FA Cup. Uh, 
We did say this last week, and Sean, I think you mentioned something about becoming Grimsby's number one fan and knowing everything about them if they were to defeat a certain somebody uh, last week, and it happened. I think he willed it into existence, and Grimsby Town <laughs> beat Southampton 2-1. to one. Now, as a, as a quick refresher, Grimsby Town from last week, we mentioned they're a League 2 team, and they were just promoted last season. So for this to happen, and I believe we are—this is— probably one of the furthest runs there there have been a few further but this is insane for a for a league two so sean you are now an expertise at grimsby town so please take it away again yeah so i did a little bit of research grimsby's a fishing town on the east coast of england um not too far from norwich where you know norwich city um who you might know is um that's why their nickname is the mariners it's about 200 miles northeast of london but um just to the point that you just made, James, they're actually the first team in FA Cup history to beat five different teams in higher divisions across a single FA Cup run. Um, they have a couple wins over the championship, two wins over League Two, and then, uh, or excuse me, League One, and then obviously Southampton in the Prem. Um, did they look that impressive or play great football? No, but they got two penalties and they, you know, they converted both of them. So credit to them. Uh, it's their first FA Cup quarterfinal since 1939. Um, so that's pretty remarkable. Um, and then they did draw our boys Brighton in the, in the uh, quarterfinal, which would be a good source of revenue for them going to the Amex and, you know, get, get a piece of that gate. So it's, it's obviously cool for, you know, a club of that size to, you know, to be in at this point. Um, but, yeah. It'd be wild if they go all the way, but I, I think their luck's about to run out with the way, you know, how clinical and, and how lethal Brighton can be. Absolutely. Is it true that you, you did enough research that you can actually count every single one of Grimsby Town citizens on two hands? <laughs> it's a small, it is a really, really small town. Um, I believe I looked at the population was something like, like 11,000 or something like that. So it's a small town. I remember their rivals were like Lincoln City and, uh, I can't remember who the other one was, but yeah, it's uh, like I said, small town on the east coast of, of England. Wow. Well, thank you, Sean, for doing a deep dive into that. Uh, Grimsby Town, big up to you guys. Please keep the run going. I think we all want to see a bit of a Cinderella story here for as long as you can. Um, and for the love of God, if you somehow beat Brighton and draw Man United, beat the shit out of them. <laughs> it's March Madness, baby. It's March Madness. We love the Cinderellas in March. Yeah, this Anything has been the happen. FA Cup for it. Only four yeah, Premier League exactly. teams left out of the eight teams. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, speaking about only a few left out of the eight teams, Kyle, you did bring up a good point. We did see uh, Tottenham Hotspur lose to Sheffield United, one uh, nothing. Not their only, <laughs> not not their only loss this week. So we'll get a couple more chuckles out of that. Uh, but we are going to start segment two in just a moment, and that is going to be our weekend roundup. So stick around. All right, well, just a minor win this weekend. Just super small, nothing significant whatsoever. Liverpool at home scored one touchdown, an extra point versus Man United. So the total was 7-0 Liverpool, handing Man United their worst defeat in history and probably one of Liverpool's most exciting wins. And I was watching the entire game, and the first half was thrilling, but the second half was 
it felt like every two minutes there was a goal. So obviously, being Liverpool's number one fan, I'm going to hand it off to Kyle first. Yes, of course. <laughs> and then over to over to Sean. Well, yes, as you know, the big Liverpool fan, all I want to say is that the second Liverpool put in their fifth goal, there was little doubt in my mind that they were going to put at least seven in the net. We've seen those type of games before, the Barcelona versus Bayern Munich games, et cetera, et cetera, where once a team falls apart and you can see it on their faces and they let up three, four goals in one half, they got to get the fuck out of there as fast as possible. Because, I mean, you know, it's Premier League and it's Liverpool right now who needs the points, needs the goals for. They're not going to stop. So I, I thought that was an awesome game. Oh, yeah. I mean, their fifth goal, and just as a little spinoff here, their fifth goal came in the 75th minute. So still plenty of time with stoppage to go to get at least one more. At least. So uh, unbelievable performance from them, and, and I'm very excited to hear what Sean has to say. Oh, man. Dude, this is like I, – I, I was texting you guys. I was running around my house like a little schoolgirl cheering after. <laughs> I think it was probably the third one when, uh, when Mo Salah – just turned Lissandro Martinez inside out, dropped him on his little five foot seven ass, put it into Gakpo <laughs> chip finish. I mean, that one I was like, holy shit! I think that I was mean, their best one. I think that yeah, I, I take really enjoyed that one. You can, yeah, it's it's incredible. You could you could also point at the one where Salah hits it on the on the half volley with his right foot bar right down. Right foot, weak foot. Oof. Yeah, dude, absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, I could praise every single player on the field, and I've got no. I'm just kidding. I'm but the front three was was magic in this game. Gakpo really looks like he's coming into his own, and uh, Darwin Nunez. We've talked about him since you know since episode one. He gets into the right places, and he just find you know now he's got the confidence, and he's starting to put the ball in the net. He's up to nine goals in the on the year. But uh, I mean, I just mentioned him before. My boy Mo Salah, dude, just a masterclass in this game. Two goals, two assists took the shirt off when he uh, became Liverpool's all-time Premier League top goal scorer. Huge, huge, huge. And he's he's fucking shredded. Oh, my God. I mean, dude, if if I was as jacked as Mo Salah, I would never wear a shirt. So I'd just get yellow (laughs) clothes all the time. Come on, you're not giving yourself enough credit, Sean. (laughs) Dude, if I took a year off from drinking, I wouldn't look half as good as that, but that's okay. (laughs) Guy's got boulders for shoulders. Um, Just just an – you know, like, actually, hold on. Moment of silence for the uh, Manchester United title race. Okay, moment of silence is done. Because, holy shit, anybody that was saying they were going to win the quadruple a week ago, you look like a freaking fool. Absolutely <laughs> foolish. Tell us how you really feel, Sean. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not done yet. Hold on. <laughs> also, moment, moment of egg on your face for every United fan who had something negative to say about Darwin Nunez. He's up to nine goals on the year. Congratulations, you played yourself. Two versus you guys. However, you spent a hundred million pounds on a blonde dreidel on the right wing. That guy was Anthony was stuffed, and I mean stuffed in Andy Robertson's back pocket from like the fifteen minute on. Just complete domination. Didn't track him back, and uh, gotta gotta give Robbo a shout out on the ball on that first goal. Just ridiculous um, from midfield through to play through the lines, and then. Gakpo turns, uh, you know, allegedly world-class uh, Rafael Varane inside out, puts it into the corner. You know, David De Gea, it, it feels like that DJ Khaled meme, like, what does he even do, blood? What, what is he even doing in the net? Because he was completely useless in this game. Not not saying that most of these were his fault, you know. It was, it was typically, you know, bad defense 
or, um, you know, counterattacking football where he really didn't have a chance, but obviously not the best day for him. Um, and just w- wanted to go back to Salah. So he actually has 11 goals in his last six appearances against United. He has f- his 14 goals, um, which is more than anyone in the history of the Liverpool-Man United rivalry has. Um, and he's now up to 15th all-time in Premier League goals, just four off of Jamie Vardy. So um, the only other active players, obviously, are Vardy and uh, and Harry Kane with more goals than him. Um, and then the last, my absolute last note, I promise, the aggregate score of the last 10 matches at Anfield between Liverpool and oh, Manchester God. United. Liverpool, 29. Man United, 2. Woo! All right, so, well, I know where our lock of the week is next year when it's uh, home at Anfield, Anfield and, and, and Man U is, is it. But I will play devil's advocate here, Sean. I will give you your props where you need it, and Liverpool absolutely dominated every aspect of the game. Uh, they had an incredible amount of uh, shots during this game. I mean, I'm just going to read off a couple of the stats that maybe you, you so humbly passed on, uh, on purpose there. They had 18 total shots. Man United only had eight. Uh, big chances created. It felt like a thousand, but they did have six. Man United only had two. Um, the one thing that I, w- I did want to take a peek at here is their expected goals, and we love XGs. And it's so strange because there were seven of these goals, but their XG was 2.78. So it just goes to show that they kind of made some of these goals happen from nothing. A lot of these goals did happen from second chances. Uh, I think the the soccer god Ferry might have been on your side for three of them where it came off of deflection, a rebound, and you put him away. But you still have to have the whereabout. You still have to have the the um, anticipation and the ability to put those balls away no matter where they come from. One thing I did want to say is obviously throughout the season, Man United have been the better side. Liverpool has been struggling. But it's only been struggling in one way, and that's actually winning games. If you look at goals per match, you look at conceded, uh, you look at average possession, you look at clean sheets. Liverpool is in the top three, and I'll read them off you. Goals per match, they're third with 1.9 goals per match. Average possession, they're third with 59.9. Clean sheets, they're third with 10 clean sheets. Expected goals, they're third with 46.4. Here's a big ticket number for me. Big chances missed. They're number one with 54. The only one of those categories and shots per target, everything like that, the only one that Man United is currently in, top three of, is big chances created, and they're at 53. Man U is not in top three of any of the categories we just spoke to. The ones that round out the rest are Arsenal and Man City. So it goes to show you that maybe it was just about time that the soccer fairy was on your side. Because <laughs> if he, if they were even present for a minute of the majority of your goals, I think we're having a different conversation because we know Liverpool is capable of doing what they did this weekend. Unfortunately, they just haven't been able to capitalize on it. Yeah, one last little fun stat for that game is that in the last 10 matches between the two of these teams, Mo Salah has more yellow cards for taking his shirt off than Manchester United has wins. <laughs> <laughs> They're just racking up all of the categories. Absolutely insane. You know, uh, Ten Hag did come out after the game and said it's acceptable to lose, but it's not acceptable to lose in the fashion that they had just lost. You know, if they lost one nothing, two nothing, it seemed like it was kind of going that 
that way based off of the first half. I don't think anyone would have put any money on Liverpool scoring six goals in the second half. So, you know, I'm a fan of saying these blips happen, uh, especially when you have all this energy, all this talent, all of this potential, all this pressure built up on one squad. And, man, you has had that for quite some time, being one of the most informed, if not the most informed teams of the season throughout all top five divisions just based off of the record. You're going to have a blip. But you can't have a 7 nothing blip. It's just against so your biggest massive. rival, too. Against your biggest rival. Especially against your biggest six. rival. They held yep. six against City earlier in the year, too, at the mm-hmm. Eddie Head. So. Yep. You know, it's it's not a great look, but I will definitely give Man U uh, a second of silence for that. Their title run, I think, is well, well over. I think it wasn't there to begin with. I think they just started a little bit too late. If Eric Ten Hag came in last season and did what he did at the beginning of the season, I think we're in a different story. I really hope now that we see a top four fight between Liverpool, Newcastle, and Tottenham. And uh, we haven't really talked about Tottenham a lot, but we'll talk to about them just briefly be- later on. But I think they're the most inconsistent, consistent top four team out there in the entire face of this planet. I don't know how they're in fourth place, but they're in fourth place and you got to give it to them. So we'll see if Liverpool can come up, take over fourth place from them. I know they have a game or two in hand on them, so it could be very interesting. And Sean, I think you and I might see each other in the Champions League next year. Oh. Kyle, I would I would loop you in, but I I don't I don't know what your team status is going to be. Yeah, we'll never know. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. Well, uh, from one extremely exciting game to the next, and this is why we're all so happy this weekend. I was standing about fourteen feet away from where I'm currently sitting, where I lost all forms of marbles and <laughs> was going almost as crazy. I kept my clothes on. I know Sean, you like to celebrate completely butt ass naked around your own apartment. <laughs> But I kept my clothes. I kept my clothes on, and I was running around like a schoolgirl. Unfortunately for my roommate Tom, he is a Tottenham Hotspur fan, and almost simultaneously they lost their game in the last ten minutes, and I uh, I won our game in the last minute, literally the last kick of the game. But for those who don't know, Arsenal went down two nothing against Bournemouth, and one big facto was that Bournemouth Philip. Billing scored the second fastest goal in Premier League history. I don't even know if I physically sat down on my couch yet. I know for a fact that the English Premier League logo and scoreboard hadn't even thrown up yet. You couldn't even see how much time they scored it in because it wasn't on the screen yet. This is how quickly they scored. And I'm sitting down there. I just look around who I'm sitting next to. I go, there's no way that happened. This is one of those moments when you're looking at everyone and it's like, I mean, that can't be real, right? There's got to be like a foul. It's got to be offsides. There's no way that that's going to stand, right? It's just an impossible outcome. The first, what was it? It was within 14 seconds, I think. No, I'm even worse. It was 9.7 seconds. And the fastest was at Southampton. It was 7.8 seconds is the current record holder. So this was just less than two seconds away from being the absolute fastest one in the Premier League history. And Arsenal has a lot of highlights of previous games where on the shit end of the stick where it's, oh, remember when this happened 17 years ago? Oh, it's probably against Arsenal because that's how it always happens. Here's another one for us, unfortunately. But this was absolutely crazy. Bournemouth went up one nothing, But, you know, when you have literally 89 minutes to catch up, it's not too horrible. Arsenal has an extremely good, impressive record from playing from behind. So, obviously, I was disappointed. I was expecting us to win this game 3 nothing, 4 nothing, something along the lines of that after coming off of a nice win against Everton. But, obviously, it didn't happen that way. It's exciting how it happened, though. 
We went down 2-0 against Bournemouth on another set piece, which I, we had so many set pieces. We had 17 corners, and they had one. And they scored on their one single corner kick. I was losing my gourd. I could not believe it. So we go down 2 nothing. Absolutely, absolutely in shambles. That was in the 57th minute. We finally capitalized on one of our corner kicks. It wasn't directly. It was kind of still off of the corner kick. Thomas Partey, who just got his start again after sitting on the bench for the last game, still recovering from an injury, and Jorginho playing the full 90 minutes on the previous game. So we finally got Partey back in the roster here. He shows his influence on the defensive end of things and was able to make it happen to get that ball rolling. Now, a lot of you guys who are listening, I always tell you that 2 nothing is the most dangerous score in soccer. And this is exactly why. As soon as the opponent scores one goal, they're feeling, okay, the momentum's good. Let's get that second one. They get that second one, you might as well start packing your bags because sure as hell there's a third one coming. And that's exactly what happened this weekend and from two very unexpected players ben motherfucking white i've said it all season long that he is one of the best right backs he um, he, he pops in at the second half he's a super sub for tamiyasu who i was excited to see back in there he kind of had a tough game again unfortunately it's just not his season i suppose but it is ben white's and off of a beautiful half volley ben white th- Drills it into the uh, into the goal. Uh, the keeper does not have enough time to scoop it out when it's not past the ball. So we didn't even see it hit the net. So it was even more of a buildup. It passed the line. Ben White goes nuts. We grab the ball. It's 2-2. It's got to come. We're probably at 28 shots at this point. And who else but the homegrown hero of Reese Nelson puts it in the back of the net off of another set piece comes out to him off of a of a, off of a poor clearance. He sets the ball up, pops it with his right foot over to his left, and he's just looking at nothing but a gorgeously set up strike with his weaker left foot that goes into the side net, and they have no ability to stop it whatsoever. I'm saying it right now, but I think this is probably goal of the month. And I know, Sean, you have seven contenders during <laughs> one game, but this has got to be it. I mean, the, the, the gravity that this goal holds, and this is not the first one that Arsenal have been bailed out on. Eddie Nketia had a last-minute goal against Man U, which could arguably be a massive turning point in the season for them. Just two games ago, Jorginho had a massive strike that ended up being an own goal against Martinez, but it's got the same amount of gravity. So we're, we're getting gritty wins, and it seems like a Leicester City Premier League title run because this is how Leicester did it. Everyone said they're going to stop, but they just couldn't lose. And we, we have lost a few big ones that really hurt us, But the way that we're winning shows that it seems like all the stars and planets are aligning for it. So, again, big, big hat off to Arsenal. Would I have liked to see a more, you know, confident and more cool, calm and collected win against Bournemouth? Absolutely. But we have to be able to look back on these things. Yeah, I I do. You got to give a little bit of credit to Bournemouth. Uh, They set up really well in this game. I thought Gary O'Neill, the manager, did a good job. Obviously, he saw something on tape or whatever you want to call it. Because, you know, to, to score, that was clearly, you know, by design, the, the first goal that they scored. And then they were dangerous on the counterattack. They had a couple of good chances in the first half. You know, but to your point, it did feel like once Arsenal got that first one, you knew, you knew that it was coming. Um, I was shocked. Like, I, I, I thought once it went to extra time, it was like, 
all right, here's gonna here's it's gonna be. And then it looked like Arsenal almost ran out of time, but you know, like you said, Reese Nelson saves the day. Uh, but I just wanted to give Bournemouth a little bit of love because I thought Absolutely. I thought the manager, you know, did a really good job. His tactics were on point, um, and his, you know, at the end of the day, it was just a re- it's an excellent Arsenal team that got it done. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think if you're Bournemouth, you have a lot of good opportunity to look forward to. You are in a relegation race, but this is very promising. You hold the first place team to to almost a, an incredible loss. Uh, it's heartbreaking, obviously, but you guys should be going home very happy. That was a shit result. Uh, maybe result for you. For me, maybe absolutely for, for you. Me. I mean, that's the type of results that win championships, like you said. What totally. number win is this this year for Arsenal, where they claim the win all three points in the last five minutes of play? Right. I've seen it at least three times this year alone. And as a second place team, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal to see happening. But that is how you clinch the trophy. Yep. Totally. Last thing I did want to give our boy Reese Nelson one more shout out. Uh, shout out. He joined Arsenal's Youth Academy at the age of eight. Uh, has been with Arsenal ever since. Obviously, the past five years have been a bit of a struggle on and off for him. Uh, but just this season, and check it out on EPL State of Mind on Instagram. I threw up a little slideshow post for everyone. I didn't realize there was such a, a large character limit for the post, but obviously <laughs> I I wrote a half no- novel, uh, cut it in half, didn't work again, cut it in half, still didn't work, cut it in half again, and finally it worked. So the lot, a lot of props for Reese Nelson. Uh, he had his debut underneath Arsene Wenger, a Wenger who uh, brought him in at 18 months. I'm sorry, 18 years and one month. He was 18 uh, he, months old. He was a he year was and a half months. old. That's... And Wenger just said, enough of this. I'm just throwing him in there. This kid loves – he'll die for the shirt. He'll crawl for the shirt. <laughs> <if> he <has. laughs> he'll crawl for this shirt. Absolutely. Uh, he, he, he had his debut coming on for – here's a throwback name, Mizuto Ozil. Um, he came in against a 4-1 win against Crystal Palace. This was the last Youth Academy grad that uh, Wenger brought up at his tenure there. So big props to him. Another big historical moment was first time in 37 years out of the starting 11 in Arsenal's pitch, none of them featured in the starting 11 was from or coached by Arsene Wenger. That being Shaka was the only one left out that we've been holding that glue stick together. So wow. this is this is a crazy stat. 37 years, not a single player on that starting 11. That's how much of an impact Arsene Wenger had on the club and still does have. So big big up to Arsene Wenger. You are the OG, and uh, we appreciate everything you have done for this club so far. Um, just a couple, one more dig out there. You know, Reese Nelson has had three appearances. He's played 85 minutes. He has a total of three goals and two assists. That is more than the entire Chelsea team in 2023. That is <laughs> three goals, two assists more than Mikhailo Mudrik. And that is more than, uh, I know we already mentioned him before, but the, uh, blonde spinning, uh, spinning dreidel from man United, Anthony. So, Reese Nelson, minutes played, goals, and assists. Well done, my lad. Most yeah. handsome player uh, of the week? Most handsome player of the week, definitely. <laughs> yep. I just I have to give a, a shout-out to my cousin Brian because he's, like, the biggest Reese Nelson guy in the world. And I think it's I think he said it's because of, like, a FIFA career mode and FIFA 20. But he was texting me. He actually called both the goal scorers in the second half. He said, Ben White's got to come on at halftime. He's, he's going to, like, create a chance for them to, to score. First EPL goal uh, for Arsenal. And then he said, and then he said, it's Reese Nelson time around the 60th minute. 
because he's like the biggest Reese guy in the world. And then it, for that, for it to end that way, I just wanted to give a shout out to him because I'm sure he was losing his mind on uh, on Saturday morning. And and it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't think I am here, but I believe that Reese Nelson was a sub of a sub, right? Yeah. So we he we had we had row. yeah we had Trussard out wide. He came off in the 20th or 22nd minute minute with an injury that I'm not 100 percent sure how bad it is yet. Uh, Smith Rowe, another uh, Hale End grad that uh, I was very excited to see get more minutes, but I'm glad that Arteta played him not all the minutes because we definitely don't want that re-injury. And then Reese Nelson came in for ESR. And what what subbing, what managerial gloriousness for this game. So <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'll leave it at that. We can okay. we can move on. We can move on. Can we, Unless can Kyle, we, you, can we yeah. send it to Kyle? No, no, no. Send it to Kyle so he can talk about Man City because we spent the first 20 minutes of this podcast of me stroking Liverpool and then you stroking Reese Nelson. So let Kyle I said it Man at the City. beginning. I said we were all happy. This is one of our best <laughs> podcasts. We're all stoked. All right, Kyle. Unfortunately, go for it, Kyle. Sure. Uh, not too much to say. Clearly thrilled with the result, a result that should have happened. I mean, the better team come out on top. Um, I thought it was a pretty boring game to watch. Manchester City clocked in an impressive three shots on target, two of them going in. Um, I know Newcastle tried, tried their hardest. They were the more physical team. They had four yellow cards out there. You love to see that. Phil Foden, master class. Touch upon him for a second. The dude is special. He's ninth in the Premier League right now with goal contributions, and he's kind of a sub. Like he is a sub. It's he's a starter on any team in the world right now, other than Man City, in my opinion. There's just so little room up front for more players. Um, moving on, Ederson. Little to talk about on his part. His distribution of the soccer ball is football, I guess, is through the through the roof. I think he's the best in the world at it. He doesn't miss. He'll launch that ball 50 yards with his arm at the foot of the striker. Uh, that's pretty much all I have on that game. It was just a classic win. Not not that much fun. Just three points. Yeah, yeah if it's not 7 nothing for you, Kyle, I guess you're just not interested. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. City. I'm used to seeing them score four goals a game last year, and now it's just <laughs> underwhelming. Just two. <laughs> but, again, we talk about it. Newcastle falls behind early in the game. I think it was about, like, what, 16th minute when, when Foden scored, dribbled past like three or four guys, which I agree, by the way, Kyle. I think he's probably one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. I think his talent level and technical ability is as good or better than 99% of the league. Um, he he won Young Player of the Year yeah. last year, right? No, he reminds me of yeah. Messi Light. Like, he's, he's clearly nowhere near all as right, good, but right, he's similar. Right. He's got the short footwork, like the quickness. He, he takes on a pen. Like opponents, it's lovely to see. You love. I, it. I just don't understand though. He, you have the young player of the year. You want to. You want to nurture that, right? And and right now, if you look at his transfer market value on Footmob, he's at ninety-two million. Yeah, he was second, only to uh, Vinicius Junior last year for young talents. It's it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. He's had twenty-three appearances this season, only sixteen starts. Nine goals, four assists. He's got one yellow card. His minutes played is 1,350. I mean, he's he's definitely not doing what I think he, he should be for, for developing him further. Just as a reference, you got Holland, who essentially replaced any form of trio up top and just give the ball to Holland, just work it through Holland. This is why Phil Foden isn't having as much time because of Holland. I mean, you can't not play Holland. He's got 25 games 
He's got 24 starts, and I think the one that he didn't start was because of one injury for one week. He's got 27 goals, five assists. Uh, he's played 2,028 minutes. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, you just got to look at who he would start over. And you lump them in with De Bruyne, Mares, Bernardo Grealish. Silva, Grealish. I mean, Grealish. There's just uh, Grealish has been playing phenomenally as of late. Yeah, he's been very so, good this year. Uh, you know, it's and you hate to he say was a hundred. He was a hundred million last year, so you sure as shit got to play him now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he's playing to it finally Foden, though. Foden also had a foot injury that he's mm. been dealing with off and on throughout the year, so that that's part of the this reason why his minutes are down. This but is true. I, I agree. I mean, I think. And he he's acknowledged it in the past, and Pep's talked about it too. Like obviously he's a special talent, but to Kyle's point, when you have that many that many options in the attack, it's like someone someone's gonna have to be on the bench, or two guys are gonna have to be on the bench every game, just based on how how deep that and talented that Man City squad is. I mean, I'm sure Julian Alvarez wants to play more too, but like you said, you got Holland up front. You know, Mares has been almost undroppable, and. Grealish over the, probably since coming back from the World Cup's been you know one of the best wingers in the league. So, yeah, I agree. Foden's a stud, but there's only eleven guys that can be on the pitch. Yeah, and Grealish has been detrimental for defense lately too. He's he's been working his ass off. You see him running back almost more than Rodri lately. So you, you yeah. know you you can't take that out when you're playing a good team. You have to rely on a winger that can play defense. And Phil Foden, whether or not he tries to play defense, you see the size of him. There's not much he can do in the air when it comes to defending. Sure. Just to, um, we, we talked about weekly salary and contracts before. Phil Foden, just so everyone knows, he's got a contract with Man City till 2026-27 season. He's on a weekly salary of 225,000 pounds. It's not enough. Give him more. Matoma's, Matoma's like, hey, man, let me hold some. Just let me hold it. I'll collect let interest and still make quick. my week. He'll make the he'll make his weekly salary just off of Phil Foden's interest. So that's right. absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, got to be some where do, clause. Where do they get this money? It's almost like they're cheating. It's almost like they're, yeah, it's like they're embellishing their sponsorships. I don't know what it is. Whoa, that's some pretty pretty bold accusations you're throwing out, man. Imagine if I that might have were to take true. a deeper dive into that. Imagine yeah. they might. Yeah, they but, might the Premier League should do that. Yeah, but Chelsea spent six hundred million pounds. Oh God, here we go. We're just we'll, we'll get into that later. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, deflect. We'll get, we'll get back we'll get into that. Them. Which is perfect segue. We're about to get into that and much more in segment number three, which is just a quick look ahead into the next round of fixtures. So stick around. Getting into the look ahead, I did want to say one little fun fact. I think a couple people might have realized this, but this week, this game match week, was the first time in my recollection, we can find a real fact about it, that every single home team either won or tied. Everyone did win except for Nottingham Forest. They tied 2-2 against Everton, and that was a very thrilling game. But just a little fun fact for you, that is absolutely insane. So if you were playing home team parlay you did pretty freaking well but we'll see if the home teams have a, an advantage this week moving forward uh the first game that we're looking forward to this week and really the only one of 
Two teams in the top 10 going at it is Fulham uh, against Arsenal. This one is at Fulham this time. Last time these two players, uh, these two teams met, it was a 2-1 win for Arsenal. A late Gabriel winner in the 86th minute saw us to victory. It was off of a a set-piece corner, and it was kind of one of those right place, right time, popped in the back of the net. The other goal scorers during that game was Mitrovic, who has just returned into the starting squad, I believe, during the game today against Brentford, uh, which they unfortunately lost. If you're a Fulham fan, if you're a year B's fan, you're very, you're very happy. That was 3-1, I believe. That happened today. Uh, This is going to be a tough three points against us. Another London derby. Um, We have had a very, we being Arsenal, of course, have had a very good record with London derbies. Uh, the only one I believe we have tied was against the the bees, and we all know that that one is going up with asterisks. So maybe we'll revisit that later on. But very, very, very excited to see that happen. Um, the last time that these two faced, like I said, it was two one. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping for you know a two nothing win would be ideal. I think two nothing win against Fulham would reassert us again. Uh, show us that our defense isn't wavering, show us that we are still tracking on the right direction. Bournemouth was a blip. Bournemouth was a great win, but it wasn't supposed to happen that way. So very excited about that. The other game that I'm excited about seeing, uh, because it is Crystal Palace's uh, next game before I see them play Arsenal, and that is uh, live in London. I'm, I'm going to see them in two weekends. Uh, it is Man City versus Crystal Palace. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, you know, Crystal Palace worries me more than any other team, not including the big five in England. They just, they have this way of taking points away from the Giants, and they do it time and time again. That being said, these fuckers haven't won a game in 10 (laughs) straight games. So I am not too worried about it this time. Um, I mean, Zaha is not super happy there. He's been talking about potentially leaving, and if he leaves, that's trouble. They're going to have to rely on Decore more. They're going to have to rely on Ayu a little more. So you look for those guys to step up. Um, you know, their coach I love, Patrick Vieira. He's an icon. He's a legend. But you know what? If you were good at soccer, that does not mean you are good at coaching. So you never know. They, they could come out. They could, you know, challenge us and only lose 2-1. to one, But I'm looking for a 3-0 route. I will say one thing, though, and I mentioned it last week or the week prior, I believe. Even though Crystal Palace hasn't won in nine-plus games, Man City this season has not been able to string together more than three wins in a row. And you, sir, Kyle Mansley, have just won your third and final game mm. this week. So I yep. think that is going to be a factor. I think Crystal Palace smells that. I think they're coming right after you. I think Crystal Palace draws you guys 1-1. Crystal Palace has not won a game in 2023. I'm not that worried. <laughs> It's true. It's true. But we will see. I'm hoping, obviously, for the latter. Uh, but a lot of excitement there. So, But we do start up again with the Champions League. So I'll hand it over to you, Sean. Bring us back into action. Some European soccer. Yeah, some uh, some European football across the week. We have four games. Uh, Dortmund-Chelsea tomorrow at 3 p.m. at Stamford Bridge. Um, talk about a, t- a tale of two teams. Dortmund right now is the second hottest team in Europe. They've won their last 10 matches in a row um and Chelsea you know can't even score one match in a row so um (laughs) they did get a result at Leeds this weekend but for the most part they've been struggling going up against a very very hot Dortmund team um and we've talked about it a few times now I think if if this game doesn't go 
Chelsea's way, I think this is it for Graham Potter. Still yeah. sitting at 10th in the table. They'd be knocked out of all competitions. Um, I think this would be the end, but we'll, t- we'll have to see um, how they respond. Obviously, losing Thiago Silva was a big, big blow to them as well. Um, you you disclosed that on the uh, the EPL State of Mind Instagram, but I, I'm going to take Dortmund in this one. One, because I don't like Chelsea, and two, because you just got to stick with the team in form. But uh, obviously, only a, a one-goal deficit for Chelsea to overcome isn't impossible, but for them to score two goals in a match, it almost seems impossible given you know the form that they've had in front of goal over the last month or so. I don't want to take more than a, a minute or two, and I'll just ask you guys this real quick, and, and I, I would love your non-objective personal opinion on this question. And, and even though it is, is looking like Dortmund is going to win, are you guys, if you were a Chelsea fan, are you guys Potter out or are you trust the process? I would definitely be Potter out personally. Yeah, I'm Potter out. Kyle? I'm, I'm Lampard in, Potter out. <laughs> yeah, get Lampard out of here. He was playing. He was somehow playing even worse football than than Potter's been playing at Chelsea. So it was time for him to go. He's going to be managing maybe in the MLS or Burger King soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't managing in the Prem though. But, but yes, per, let, per, Potter out. Potter out for sure. But personally, for me as a man who went through the same struggles with Arsenal with trust the process and whatnot, a very American approach, which I think a lot of uh, Europeans don't uh, fully comprehend. They want immediate results now, 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 now. Um, And I I think the process for Chelsea has started. And I am Potter in. I'm telling you, I think your, your frustration is heard. I don't think it's warranted. I don't think switching someone unless it's Zidane Zidane is going to get you top four or even European soccer right now. So I think you guys need to stop looking at the now and start looking into the future. Go for Europa, go for Conference League, build your squad. I think you got to give Potter an opportunity to pick a solid 11, 13 players and and let him build from there. I think this process, you know, Todd Bowley has done exactly what you guys wanted. I don't know how insane you have to be to start taking your frustration on a man that spent more money than all the other top five leagues combined to put your frustration at him. I mean, he did exactly what the majority of EPL teams do, does throughout three seasons in essentially one transfer window. So give give the man a little bit of time there. And I think this process is going to be a longevity. I think it's a long run. I would still like to continue to see uh, Mikhailo Mudrik sit on the bench and do absolutely nothing. But uh, I think everyone else can you know have a chance. How many goals in their next 10 games would you call a success? How many goals in their next 10 they, games? They scored one this week. They finally got their like second goal under Graham Potter. You, you're right. You're right. They did do that. Let's see. Real quick. Uh, their upcoming matches. Like You know, if they net they, 25 goals in the next 10 games, sure, they're turning it around. But, you know, even if they win or draw some, but they put six away, that get them out of here. They have the talent. Well, just – just looking at their EPL, their next 10, or I'll do their next five, right? So they got Leicester City, which if you're looking at your roster, Chelsea should win. I think they should put at least two in. I'm being low because I don't think Chelsea has the capability. Um, the next one is against Everton, equally as non-impressive as Leicester. Aston Villa is going to be the toughest one out of them, out of those three. And then you have Liverpool again. That's at Stamford Bridge. But if Liverpool can string together a few wins, I think they'll run through Chelsea. And they have Wolves. So I would say if they can score out of the one, two, 
three, four, five games, if they can get a total of seven goals out of those next five games, I think that's par. Okay. So anything anything less than that, then you're then your Potter out. No, not yet. Okay. Right. <laughs> and maybe if they're in the relegation zone. But um, moving on, moving on, in the other games going on in the Champions League, you got Bayern PSG. Bayern's up one nil, going back home to Munich. Um, this is a, this is primed for an Mbappe revenge game. He had two goals called back in the first leg and pretty much made the entire difference in the game. PSG was dominated, Ab- mm-hmm. looking like little brother in the, in the driveway type dominated um, for the first half. And then Mbappe came on and just his pace, his, his ability on the ball was, was really special. Um, he did become the record goal scorer for PSG this past weekend with his 201st goal uh, passing Edison Cavani. Um, so I, I'm actually going to take PSG in this one. I don't know why I don't think they're as good as Bayern, but I just, I can't, I can't pick against Messi and Mbappe. Even with Neymar out for the rest of the season now? Yeah, I did see that. And in some ways, it just for this matchup, not overall, but for this matchup, I think it could be a good thing because you actually have guys or, or you'll have somebody in his position that'll track back defensively because you know Messi's not doing it. Mm. Mbappe doesn't like to do it. So now you probably have someone who drops a little bit deeper and probably works a little bit harder off the ball. For this specific matchup, excuse me, wow. Um, it's all right. We were talking about uh, little brother uh, beat downs. <laughs> I think I think we found our little brother. Yeah, my larynx just collapsed. <laughs> um, but just for this for this matchup, I think um, you know whoever it is that comes in, whether it's you know Di Maria or somebody else, I think that could be a um, interesting thing to take note of. Um, then the other game is AC Milan Tottenham on Wednesday afternoon. Milan's up one nil. Tottenham. Gets uh, Hoiberg back from suspension. He missed the first leg at, at the San Siro. This is this should be probably for me the best of of the four games this week. Um, and Tottenham, you know, like you said, they're consistently inconsistent. Um, lost one nil to Wolves at the weekend. Week before had a very big win against Chelsea in uh, in the league, but then they also lost to Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup. So it's it's every other. So they lost Sunday. So I'm going to take them to win this game, and I'm going to take them to advance. All right, agreed, agreed. I'm interested to see if there's a stat for PSG where how long the games last with Neymar on the pitch versus off the pitch, with just for time wasting. It's got to be at least five minutes of difference. Depends on the game. It's got to be. If it's an important game. If it's game, his sister's birthday, I don't know if anybody else has seen this theory. If it's his sister's birthday, the games go by fast as lightning because he's trying to get off and go home. There's like a rumor. It's around the – I forget exactly the time frame, but he almost – always misses like between like two to six weeks right around his sister's birthday goes back to brazil and parties it's like dude <laughs> i it could be right now it, it honestly could be right now i don't know you know he he is uh, inconveniently or conveniently out for the rest of the season now strategic this could ankle be injury. because his, yeah exactly exactly stop talking about strategics and 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 whatnot What's your strategy this week, Kyle? It was Sean who who's made the lock of the week last week. Sean, your uh, lock of Aston Villa uh, hopefully made some people quite a bit of money. They were plus 105, and they delivered. So, Sean, you are now, what are you, 2-1, and one, I believe? So, Kyle, you are 1-1. One and one. So, are you going to be joining, Sean? Let's find out who is your lock. Certainly hope so. Um, coming off a win last time, I'm going to go with a ballsy call this time. Clearly... The people want to choose Liverpool over Bournemouth. I'm not going to do it. The odds aren't good enough. They're minus 250. So we're going to take Brighton over Leeds. 
Brighton is minus 105 this week. That's that's the okay. lock. I like that one. Coming off a I really think that's good very, performance. Really too. good performance. Really good performance. 4-0 over West Ham, who we hyped up last week. Almost put out an identical lineup other than Fabianski in net and um, – and, and they're right back. Sufal, yeah, Sufal was yeah. hurt too. They had Emerson, uh, the guy used to be at Chelsea, come in. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, Leeds defense looks like Swiss cheese right now, so I, I don't yeah. see them winning at all. No, I would. I'll ride I would that with hate, you. Hate to be a left back playing against Sully March right now. By the way, that guy is turning guys inside out routinely. He he was unreal this weekend. I just wanted to give a note and a shout out to Brighton because we do it almost every week. They have the fourth most goals in the league, and no one on the team has more than six goals. Trossard did have seven, but he's been gone for three months or two months now. Mm-hmm. And then you got Matoma, McAllister, Pascal Gross at six, Sully March at five, Ferguson at four, bunch of guys at two and one goal. So scoring by committee, it's it's uh they're fun to watch right now. They really are dominating. It's awesome. Absolutely. And the last thing I want to just touch upon is Harry Maguire's finally getting what he deserves. It, it brings me joy more than anything. He was told not to not, – he's not going to be a starter, and it's up to him what he wants to do now, but he was told you are not a starter. So it is about friggin' time because it is about seven years too late for that. But what is your vendetta against Maguire? Yeah, as, shouldn't as you as like him? City? He's just a talentless understand. oaf that does yeah, not deserve exactly. you the should captaincy. Want that guy. I want him to start every game for United, although we didn't really have any problems with the butcher, Lissandra Martinez. <laughs> Bro, I, I saw something, just, and we'll wrap it up, I promise. I saw something on Twitter like a couple weeks ago, and it was the, like, the scuffle that happened last year where uh, Ronaldo kicked out at, at Curtis Jones, and then there was like a scuffle. And people were like, uh, some United fans were saying in the comments, oh, they won't, they won't get so you know, physical when Leach is in there. Bro, he's five foot eight. Van Dyke eats five foot eight <laughs> snacks for lunch. Yeah, come on. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you guys either kill Bournemouth or lose in amazing fashion on Saturday. But we shall see which Sean shows up—a fully clothed or a fully naked <laughs> Sean—and and we'll go from there. So, since that is probably the most beautiful image you guys will have in, embedded into your mind for the remainder of the week, I think that's a great, great spot to wrap it up. As always, appreciate the listen, the feedback, and the comments. Keep the comments coming on the polls and the posts. We really love when you guys give us a a little bit of feedback on those polls. It's a great driver. So we'll be getting more of those to you throughout the week. But until then, thank you, everyone, and cheers. Cheers.